Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs> Practically, such a great message and reminder in this season. We're about to jump into our message. Before we do that, I want to give a special shout out. Thanks to Shadrach Bell, who preached last week. He's not with us now, uh, but hopefully if you weren't here, um, you could check out the podcast. But we were having some problems with our giving drop-down menu on our app. So I had many people come to me, hey, I tried to give, I couldn't do it online. So we wanted to make sure, take the opportunity. If you'd like to give, um, like I did earlier today, everything's working. Um, you can go to our app, our website. And what you're giving towards is not just Shadrach for like a nice new car for Christmas. All of these proceeds go towards their church planting efforts in Austin, Texas, as they're planting family life, Austin, in downtown Austin. And so we want to be a church that's generous and helps, as we know about church planting, as a church plant ourselves, and try to really help push them and launch them as they're spreading the gospel through downtown Austin in that weird city. So we want to make sure that we're a blessing to them. So if you get a chance, you can do it anytime. We encourage you to open your phone, your app, um, all of those kind of things here in this church. Just don't play free sell or something, like do something else or whatever it is you do. Um, but make sure you get a chance maybe to give a little or a lot, whatever you can, as we encourage and bless them. So we're starting a new series. So if you're a first-time visitor today, we're so thankful to have you today. And you came at a good time. Our series uh, is a three-week series called Advent, where this is the season and the time, really. Advent is about 24 days before Christmas. And if you've seen any of like Advent uh, wreaths or any of the things where you open the door every day for 24 days, as we're preparing and thinking about the arrival of Jesus and what it took for Jesus to arrive, not not just in a little manger that we make all look pretty and nativity set every Christmas and you have it by your fireplace and it just gleans and looks beautiful. He arrived in a stinky, nasty uh, animal pit manger where it smelled or animals everywhere to show us that God is willing to do anything and not just show up as king to be worshiped. But he said, I came to serve not be served, and we see that even in his arrival. The word Advent means arrival. And in this season, it's a time we prepare to think about what happened and the arrival of God in the past, but also we're focusing in the present. God wants to arrive in your life today. He wants to do something in your life tomorrow. He wants to be with you. God is called Emmanuel. Christ is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And preparing for the arrival of God in our lives every day, not to mention one day, his future, future arrival when he comes, we want to prepare. So today we're going to talk about preparation. Next week we're going to talk about procrastination. And the last week we're going to talk about expectation. So get ready, especially procrastination. That one's going to hurt. Any procrastinators in here? Yeah, as you showed up 15 minutes late for church. All right, God bless you. Uh, we love you. Yeah, sorry, you got called out. Hey, I didn't say any names. I didn't say any names. It's all good. Um, so I'm Chris Payne, in case you are new, and I'm the lead pastor here. Let's talk a little bit about preparing. I was, I was looking at Google, because Google's where you get everything, right? Um, I was Googling uh, prepare for, and it was interesting to see the top 10 things that people prepare for 
in our nation. And this, this literally was last night. So let's look at some of the things that people are seeking out advice to prepare for. Number one, what are we preparing for, number one? The first thing we see, preparing for an interview. Anybody a little twitch thinking about that? I prayed with somebody this morning who lost their job, Merry Christmas, um, got fired this week and like, man, come on. But he's already preparing for an interview, thinking about the preparations and what am I gonna wear? What is this gonna look like? I gotta practice, have my resume, all of these types of things. What else? Preparing for pregnancy. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember those times. Okay, not me personally, I've never given birth, but uh, been a part of it, preparing for a colonoscopy. Yeah, that's a good one. Top four, how do you prepare for that? Lots of liquids. Um, preparing for a phone interview. So people are really concerned, right? Need that job. Preparing for a baby. So not just the pregnancy, but a baby. We make all our preparations, thinking about the gender reveal and the color of the room and all the things that we need to do to get ready for the baby. Next one, preparing for a job interview, preparing for divorce, preparing for labor. Yeah, good luck with this one. Our first kid 16 years ago, Preparing for the Lamaze class. Now, if you teach Lamaze, you're awesome. I love you. Um, but that class did nothing for us. Like, I'm like, baby, all you got to do is breathe. This stuff's easy, right? This is easy. And we just watch videos like, oh, this is not easy. Um, you can't really ultimately prepare. You just do it. But there is a level of mental preparedness. I remember when we had our third child, we did this preparation class uh, here at the, the medical center. Uh, it had our kids come and like learn how to change diapers and stuff, which they didn't ever do. And all of the things because we had to get prepared. Next thing, prepare for marriage. We do premarital counseling in our, in our church, preparing for marriage. You can just go get a marriage license, and it's easier than getting a driver's license, but one, you might get in a wreck. One, you, you will get in a wreck for sure if you're not prepared. Preparing for, lastly, college. Some of us have teens. Some of us remember the idea and remembering, preparing, and doing all the transcript, doing all the things to prepare. It's interesting seeing just the top 10 things people want help with or seeking out. How can I get ready for? All of us have different preparation or routines we go through. How many of you guys are shower in the morning people? Kind of wake up, shower evening people, anybody? Shower twice a day. Yeah, oh yeah, you're super clean. Got to use a lot of lotion though, right? So... We have different routines. You wake up, maybe the first thing you do is you grab your phone and you, you're on that gram, man. You're checking out Snapchat, you're doing your thing. Don't do it, it's not worth it. Somebody is already up before you, they've worked out, you're just gonna feel bad. The comparison game is gonna start your day. It's not worth it, don't do it. But we have different routines, we just get up and go. Some of us are coffee people, gotta have coffee before I do anything. You make coffee people, come on. Be real, come on. And you know why you drink coffee in the morning. You have two cups, so you can go number two. I know, we know, we know how this works, right? You prepare yourself for the day because for us, we've got to think about what am I presenting to my work or my office or depending on what it is that I'm doing, I've got to get prepared for that thing. And depending on the level of preparation is the level of expectation typically you're putting on that specific thing. 
as we saw some people preparing a lot for job interviews, phone interviews, just interview in general. There's a lot of preparation work that goes in that because you want to put your best self forward. And it's interesting the amount of weight that we put on some things versus other things that we don't really prepare for. In the Christmas season, this is a time to think about preparation. We've been talking about a lot in our church lately of hurry sickness and just being busy just to be busy and how the busyness and all the noise of life is drowning out the possibility of being able to even hear from God, much less go in the ways of God, which are diametrically opposed to just the current culture that takes you into one stream, especially of frenetic pace. We've been talking a lot about this, and, and nothing, no time is worse than Christmas for that, right? Because not only some of our jobs, like the demand of our job and trying to get everything done. I mean, campus, college students, you're trying to get ready for finals, and, and then you're thinking about Christmas and shopping. Someone's getting way too much debt just to please people that we don't really like and give them presents. I mean, don't get that new truck Tesla. It's not worth it just to get in debt. I'm telling you, we all feel that pressure, especially now, and yet we're entering into a season of thinking about the arrival of God on the planet and God coming in the form of a baby in a manger to complete a story that was started at the beginning of time and enter us into that story and equation. And in the midst of that, we're so busy going, 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 going that we're not even stopping and considering, am I prepared for the arrival of God in my life? What does it mean to be prepared and to think about God in the same sense I think about getting ready for an interview or a baby? Do I put that much weight and onus on the presence of God and being ready to receive God or receive something that I'm believing God for? It's interesting, about five years ago, you'll remember this, show this video of Odell Beckham Jr. The beating guy. the Cowboys. This is my favorite video. Good action. And Manning's gonna heave one. There's, oh, there's a flag. Beckham, catch a one-handed catch. How in the world? See this oh, in my slow-mo. goodness. And Everybody remember Carr this? Was back there. I mean, he yeah, is some football people. insane. How do you make that catch? Oh, my goodness. This is sick. Put this to music. I don't think he stepped out either. That may be the greatest catch I've ever seen. Number 39. Penalty's decline. Result of the play. Touchdown. You have to be kidding me. That is impossible. That is absolutely impossible what he just did. So five weeks and a couple days, a that couple weeks, five years, the greatest and a couple catch weeks I've ago. ever seen in my life. This catch was made against the Cowboys, which makes me happy. Sorry if you're a Cowboy fan. God bless you. We have an altar call at the end of service. Um, <laughs> this catch came from a tremendous athlete. So when the first time people noticed, who is this guy? Now he's on the Browns. Sorry, right? But. Who is this guy who see that? Wow, how did he do that? To be able to make that type of mood, move and catch the ball like that and the timing and the opportunity 
is really unbelievable. And those are the things like we watch over and over and people still talk about the catch or different things. Maybe if you're really big into music or art or drama or movies, whatever, there's something that you've seen someone do and you get those goosebumps or whatever you would call them, chicken pimples or whatever people call them. I don't know what they call them. And you just feel like, oh my gosh, there's like this awe, there's this amazement. Because we go, I, I wish I was that. Like, I can't wait for my moment. Some people even maybe have some type of lucky moment, something luckily like, oh, that was all luck. But here's the thing. Luck is where preparation meets opportunity. It's something you've prepared for, and then all of a sudden the opportunity comes, and man, you're lucky, but you prepared for that. Odell Beckham Jr. didn't just wake up one day and went, I think I'm going to be able to do this. He worked hard. For instance, let me show you some of this practice video. People caught him pre-game getting ready. This is a different game, but this is the type of stuff he practices. This is what he prepares for. Prepares for the one-handed catch. It's the Stephen Curry where everybody sees him shooting half-court shots, threes, and they go, wow, that's amazing. But have you seen all the preparation that he's done to get to that point? See, everybody wants that opportunity and a little bit of luck, but are we willing to prepare ourselves for it? In this season, what are you preparing for? And let me ask you this question. Does anything have to do with preparing your heart to receive the king? Does any of it have anything to do with not just what I'm wanting now physically, but realizing I'm more than just a physical person and I need an arrival in this Advent season of God now. I need to honor and respect the arrival then because one day there will be an arrival again. And the Bible says he's not coming back as a little baby in a manger, but as a warrior with fire in his eyes and a sword coming out of his mouth. Now we don't love that because that's not the nice cuddly Jesus, but it's the scripture. Are we prepared? Are we prepared? It's interesting, in the book of Mark, we have different passages when it comes to Christmas season. You see in Matthew and Luke, the genealogy of Jesus, and they start off with the background, Mary and Joseph and the angels and all of the things happening, culminating to the birth of Jesus that we celebrate on Christmas. Mark doesn't begin his gospel in the same manner. He starts differently, but yet very powerfully. Open your Bibles with me to Mark 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold... I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. 
John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Before we move on, I want us to focus on these first few verses. Mark, again, doesn't start with some genealogy or here's what happened, but the beginning, even using the word in the beginning to start your letter takes us all the way back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Mark starts, hey, here's a new beginning. There is a new beginning, a new creation, a new people that God is introducing into this story. And he says, there is a beginning of this gospel. This word gospel means good news. And typically it was referred to good news as someone um, proclaiming a triumphant victory or some type of battle that has been won. In fact, typically this word was used in the plural. So there's a lot of good news out there. And this is just one of many of the good news. We have won the victory or something has happened or I bring this good news to you. And we go, oh, that is good news. Well, I've got some good news to share. I've got some good news to share. What's interesting is Mark says the beginning of the gospel, and he uses as a singular here, if you look in the Greek text, which he's saying this is the good news of all good news. Like the greatest news, there's no other news that can even stand in it. And it's not good news about a new religion or a new system, but he specifically points out of a person, of Jesus Christ. Now, Christ isn't his last name, just to help you out. Christ is a title, it means anointed one. Of Jesus, the anointed one. This good news, singular, powerful, the best news of all is about a person. And then he says, the son of God, distributing deity. So it's not just anybody. So this is not just a Moses figure or some type of religious prophet. This is God. He starts everything. And I want us to start thinking in December and Christmas about Jesus. Just like that video we showed earlier. The good news of who he is and what he has brought, that is the news and the thing that's worth my life and preparing for more than anything in my life. Verse 2, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, not only Isaiah, but you see Malachi, you see Zechariah, it says, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will, here's the key, prepare the way. We've been talking a lot about in church lately that Jesus doesn't, listen, just save us for one day for Beulah land, but actually shows us a way to live now. There is a way and a life he wants to give you now that is very different from other ways or maybe ways you've been preparing, ways you wake up and do life versus the way of Jesus and it says this, firstly, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. What is he crying? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. There's preparation that goes into this because God's story has been told from the beginning. 
where he created everything and made it good, but men botched it up and brought in the fall. And God had a plan of redemption leading up to this moment. But there needed to be a clear path. And when the Bible says this, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight, that's not just keeping from curves, but that, that word actually means immediate and fast. Make it available. Let's go. God is doing something right now. I was in Abilene, Texas, serving at a church for about eight years, and Abilene is home of the B-52, the uh, Dice Air Force Base, big planes, these huge, gigantic planes that could cover a large amount of terrain, drop bombs in enemy territory. And one of the commanders who has one of the most hours flown um, in one of these planes went to our church. And he told us when these planes are getting ready to take off, like we know there's a lot of preparation that's done to a plane. If you ever go to uh, the airport and they're having a delay because they're having problems or complications with the engine or something's going on, we understand those complications. And, and he said they would have that, of course, but as they're preparing for the plane, one of the last things they do is they have to clear the runway. And they have to clear it from any kind of debris. The debris, they called it fodder. There's this fodder that would be on the runway, and fodder could be a large rock or even just a small pebble that, if that plane is getting ready to take off hundreds of millions of dollars of plane, that could affect its takeoff. So not only did they have to prepare the plane, they had to prepare the road, and they had to have people go through and just sweep the road to make sure not only is it straight, straight but it's prepared and ready to lift off. How many things and fodder in our life do we have to take care of to prepare the way of the Lord? In all of history, in the culmination of this time, there's so much clutter and fodder on the runway that is not straight to God. People are trying to figure out how to do this and live this life and keep all of these laws. And in comes this person, John, proclaiming, hey, now is the time for the kingdom of God. And he's baptizing them, which means immersing them in death and burial and, and resurrecting into a new life coming out of the water to say, I, I'm not going this way anymore. I'm going this way. I'm not even going to work on this road anymore. I keep trying to clear the fodder of this road. And this road is getting ready for me. There's a new way and a new path. Mark. Verse 5 says this, and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, going out to John the Baptist, and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. I've been going this way. I've got all this fodder. I've got all these things in my life. I want to go a new way. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. If you know the scripture, you're going, what is all that? That's just really showing you he's a prophet like Elijah. Same thing Elijah wore. So it's showing this is a prophet, verse 7. And he preached, saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and un." Tie. This is what they would hire servants to do. He said, I'm not even worthy to be this person's servant. 
I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now we can read this really fast, and I wanna encourage you to smell the scripture. When you read it, be so in it that you're smelling it, you're getting inside of it, because you have to understand how powerful this message was that he was proclaiming. We go, okay, yeah, water, spirit. He's proclaiming that someone is coming that is greater than him. While he has throngs of people from all over the region coming and almost like this religious ordinance to come to lay down their life and say, I'm not going this way anymore. I'm going to go this way. That's what repentance is, changing the way you think and act. Say, I'm not doing this anymore. And imagine just thousands of people coming, religious, unreligious people coming, and people are going, are you the one that's bringing some type of new teaching or new trajectory for our life and our kingdom to bring the kingdom of God? And he says, no, I'm preaching the kingdom of God, but I'm not even worthy to be the servant of the person that is coming after me. I'm baptizing in water physically. He's going to come and baptize you in God. Wow. The expectation that is coming through these people, like, there's someone greater than you? There's someone more popular than you? There's someone we should listen to more than you? As you are out here, not just living it, but preaching it as well. The people are coming and believing, and he's saying, repent, the kingdom of God. Like, you've been going after your own kingdom in your own way. There's a new kingdom coming. It's like if we were invaded now from another country and they came and established new laws and new ways of everything that we're doing from taxes to curfews. This is the same type of concept. There's a new whole kingdom and way of life. And the Bible says John's goal was to prepare this new king to come and give this life, to give the immersion of God into our lives and to ultimately be prepared himself to meet God. I was doing a funeral yesterday and talking to G, and he was talking about a pastor he was talking to, and the pastor, um, it was in a class he was in, or a teaching he was in, and the, the pastor told a bunch of these pastors in the room, said, you know what your job is as a pastor? And they said, what? He said, your job is to prepare people to meet God. That's a fun job description right there, I'll tell you that. Prepare you to meet God. Nothing's more powerful and in your face than when you're at a funeral and seeing people ultimately meeting God. The beautiful thing about walking with Jesus as we prepare to meet God now. He wants to meet with you now. He wants to give you his Holy Spirit that is your helper now. Wouldn't you love a helper? I've got a lot of Filipino friends in this church. And when you live in the Filipinos, in, in the Philippines, excuse me, you get a lot of helpers, right? You have people that'll do your laundry, people that'll, that'll help you with your kids. And then a lot of the times our Filipinos will come to the States and be like, oh my gosh, I'm not used to not having as much help. Because how many of us would love that kind of help? Come on. Yeah, all the moms are like, give me some help, man. And God says, I'm going to come. And the path is going to be prepared, the culmination of everything. And I'm going to 
be that way so that I can immerse you and give you a helper in life. So I can give you a new way to live and the Holy Spirit to guide you and help you. But see, it took a great work of preparation, not only from John, but even Jesus. This is what we celebrate. Jesus. The one who left a throne to come down to a dirty manger and be born into that. The Bible says a man of sorrows. If you've had sorrow, you know that. He's acquainted with grief. I mean, he was born in poverty, traveling back and forth between Egypt and Bethlehem and Nazareth, all within a few years of his life, growing up in a very rural community, not living a posh, plush life, but learning, the Bible says, through the things even he suffered to be obedient as God is preparing him as a spotless lamb to take the sins of all the world. This is what Christmas is about. And we look at the preparation of Jesus and what it took to prepare the road, but then the road he had to take. He was questioned by authorities. He was questioned by irreligious. He was killed ultimately and beaten and persecuted and without sin, didn't even say a word, went to his death. He was prepared ultimately to be that sacrifice for us. Listen, so you and me don't have to do the job of preparation to be accepted by God. He did it for us. That's the good news. This is what Mark is proclaiming, like all of the works and all the laws and all the things that we've tried to do to try to get acceptance from God and man. Jesus did it. He, he was prepared himself and he lived his whole life prepared before God for you and me. And this is what we celebrate. We go, wow, I don't have to do all of these things in order to receive a relationship with God and the immersion of a helper and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't have to do, God has already done it. That's my faith in Jesus, wow. That is such good news for you and for me. No one else in history, no one in your house for sure, has treated you that way and has accepted you in that manner. Now here's the question though. We don't have to prepare and do all the preparation work. We put our faith in Jesus for that, for a relationship with God and to know him. But listen, that doesn't absolve us from not doing anything. There still is a place of repentance and changing the way we think that if God would do that, if he would, if he would do that on my behalf, I want to serve him out of love, not for love. I want to serve him because of this good news that has been done. Now I want to do whatever it takes and I'll prepare my heart. I'll change my rhythms of life. I'll do whatever because you've already done the work. See, many of us think even today that you're preparing and you have to do something to earn your way to God. It's like brushing your teeth before you go to the dentist. It's too late, man. <laughs> Don't make any sense. 
So you come to church, you think about God, and you're like, well, once I do this, then I'll feel better about getting prayer. Or once I do this, then I'll kind of change my life, because I got to get right. You know, I had a, man, it was a crazy night last night. I know I, I did wrong. I need to, need to come to church and, and give me a couple of weeks and let me get back in my word a little bit. Then I'll go to God, and God says, it's too late. Like, that's not, you don't have to do anything. Like, you don't have to brush your teeth before you go to the dentist. Just go to the dentist. And the dentist is there going, yeah, I've got new teeth for you. <laughs> There's nothing you have to do because it's already been done. But because of that, now we prepare our heart because, listen, God does want to meet with you today. He's paid the price for admission. But now that you're in the kingdom of God, you've got to prepare your heart to say, I'm going this way because everything else is taking me this way. I'm going to prepare my life to go this way. And many of us, we might say it with our mouth, but we're not really living it with our hearts. It's like the man who needed, for a function, he needed his suit dry cleaned, and he found online this store that said one hour dry cleaning. So he goes there, and he hands him a suit, and he's like, okay, awesome, I'll be back in about an hour, I gotta run some errands. And they said, wait, 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 you're, you're not gonna be ready till Thursday. He said, well, it says one hour dry cleaning. He said, oh, that's what it says, but that's not what we do. How many of us live like that? We say one thing, but that's not really what we do. See, when you recognize what Jesus has done for you, it builds something in you to say, I'll do anything for you because of love, not to earn your love. It's the good news, and it's the thing that fuels our preparation, because here's the deal. Like I said, one day there's going to be another arrival. And it's going to catch us off guard. Like many of us today, how many of you guys remember where you won, where you were during 9-11? You remember? I remember where I was. I was traveling on my way to a little town in Oklahoma when I got a call in from somebody that, hey, a plane hit the Twin Towers. I'm like, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. And, oh, another one. Oh, my gosh. Like, I remember pulling over and finding, we went to a house, a random stranger, and saw on TV me and my pastor, as the buildings fell, no one knew that was going to happen. It wasn't, no one was ready or ultimately prepared for it. I mean, post 9-11, we've changed everything, haven't we, Eric? I mean, right? You're getting a free colonoscopy when you go to the airport now, right? Like, <laughs> prepare for TSA, right? Like, Everything's changed. We weren't prepared. And the Bible says Jesus is going to come like that. And I'm not trying to put a fear in you, but a good, healthy fear of what am I preparing my life for? I brushed my teeth today, but am I positioning my heart and my life as if Jesus has done all this work in me and I'm preparing myself to meet him, to do the works that he's done? Your life is not your own You've been bought with a price, the Bible says. Am I preparing myself like that? Like if the most prestigious person you know, the person that like you idolize and love, and they said, hey, I'm coming to your house Christmas. You're like, baby, we got to get that turkey, get that honey-baked ham. We got to get the yams. We got to get ready. This person's coming over. We got to clean the house. We got to get all those clothes up in the closet, lock it, throw it away, whatever we got to do. We got to make this place look great. You would prepare your home. And God says, I want to invade your life in a fresh way this Christmas. And we say, all right, man. 
I don't really got time for that. God wants a present revival. One day there's going to be a future revival. Are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready, prepared to meet God and be able to say, not me, but what Jesus did, and I went his way because he paved the way. The preparation work of Christ positioned us for that arrival, present and future. Here's my question to you. I got two questions. If it's true that Jesus has paved the way and we could position our heart and he can give us the Holy Spirit to help us and to lead us, what are some rhythms you can add to your day today to prepare for God's present and future arrival? Do some thinking yourself. What do I need to bring into my life and my routine and my habits and who I am to make sure I'm not just being pulled into preparation for menial, menial things, but for the ultimate, most important thing, and that's God today. Maybe it's your prayer life. Maybe, maybe it's fasting. We're about to do a church-wide fast in January, which I'm pumped up about. I know it's weird, but I'm pumped because I love what God does when we fast every year together. As God is preparing, there's something about shoving down those fleshly desires that actually raise up an expectation for God to move. What are some things maybe you can express more thankfulness? You're gonna wake up, I'm gonna brush my teeth and I'm just gonna think about two things I'm thankful for. Maybe you could personally think about, look at your spouse or look at somebody, I'm gonna start putting in my routine a life of thankfulness and I'm gonna look at Eric and say, man, I'm thankful for you as a brother in Christ. Thankful for your gifting. I'm thankful that you make more money than me. Take me to dinner. Like, I'm thankful. <laughs> When's the last time you put and prepared your heart? Because a thankful heart, listen, opens the way and the path to receive some things for God that you'll never receive when you're playing the victim. Even though God is pouring, you just can't receive and preparing our heart to receive. What are some rhythms? What are some ways you can think, how can I bless someone how can I do something outside myself in preparing for God to do something outside of me? Last question. What are you believing God for in 2020? Start thinking now. That you have to start preparing for now. Last year, I started asking God, Lord, give, me, give us more opportunity. Like, we grow our church. Like, we want to see people saved. We want to change the community. We want to do all this work. And God literally put it in my heart, okay, you know if I grow your church, you're going to have to do multiple services. And you know, experts say, preaching a 45-minute message is equivalent to eight hours of work and labor. It's that kind of intensity. So if you're doing three, you better get healthy. And the Lord said, you better start losing some weight, start working out. Am I going, my faith was, God, do more in my life. So there, right now, I've got to prepare. So when you do more, opportunity has met preparation. What are you thinking about? What is your audacious, bold, prayerful, faithful thing that you're thinking about that God's saying, I want to do that, but you better prepare because it'll kill you if I give it to you. What are you believing for? What do you believe in God to do and enter into your life and arrive in a way that only God can that you'll be ready for in faith? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me as we get ready. Did our service as we're thinking about Jesus, maybe many of us 
don't have a relationship with God and you keep thinking, I'm gonna do better this year, I'm gonna, man, I'm gonna be intentional this year, and I gotta do, I'm gonna read my Bible, I'm gonna do all these things, and, and you're thinking, then, then God, I'll, like, I'll earn enough for God to wanna be with me. And I wanna tell you that's not the gospel. The gospel is God wants to do it now because he's earned it. And when you receive that and say, no, I, I'm not gonna do it to receive relationship, which is the first thing I need, but he's already done it for me. Now I can step into that relationship and I wanna do it because I want my, my life to matter. I want this arrival that I've encountered to be other people's experience as well. So we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who did the work. My prayer and my hope is as we end the service today with worship and with prayer that you'll look to him. And as we're singing in the crushing, you're making new wine. Like in all the things I'm thinking about my life where I've been crushed or I've been hurt or, or things have not gone my way, you've been preparing me to receive ultimately something new and fresh that you're doing in me as I have faith to step out and believe in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior as the one that takes me into a new way and a straight way. Father, I pray you open our hearts and our eyes Lord, that we will be endearing towards you, God, and we will prepare for you to arrive right now and do something mighty through your spirit as we prepare for the one-day arrival and that we won't be caught off guard but ready and excited to see our Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, why don't you stand to your feet and let's worship as we close.